You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back, everyone, to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 15 called Teacher Tips, Homework, and 21st Century Pen Pals. In this episode, we'll give more advice to all the first-year teachers out there, this time focusing outside the classroom walls. We'll answer the teacher tech question of the day about homework and discuss 21st Century Pen Pals. Finally, we wrap up the episode with another tech battle royale. Check it out. So Geis and I are sitting here on our first official day back in the in the school walls. I know we've been in over the summer recording the podcast, working on PD, doing all kinds of stuff, but this is our first real day where that alarm clock goes off at 5.30. It's painful, but it's exciting. I know we're both looking forward to being back, and it kind of always gets us... It's a reflective time, right? Because everybody's super stressed and you're thinking about what you did last year and the year before that. And it just sort of makes you, like I said, reflect on some things. So with that in mind, I thought we would offer up some uh, some tips to specifically first year teachers, but this really could apply to anybody. Just some stuff that we wish we were told our first year teaching, but specifically this time, because I think we've done this before, specifically not related to anything at all within the classroom. We don't want to talk lesson development. We don't want to talk actual teaching or interacting with kids. We're going outside those classroom walls. So what do you think about this, guys? Develop relationships. It's probably the most important thing in my mind. And there are two groups that stick out to me. And the first one is secretaries, the second one custodians. I think they are um, people that you need to get on your side, get to know, because the secretaries for me are the people that are the glue of the building. And they know where everything's at. They know where every form is located. They know who to talk to about certain issues. And it saves you a lot of time. And we teachers know that time is valuable. It's very valuable for us. And I'll give you a quick example of this. Have you ever gone into uh, the secretary's office, main office, let's say, and you walk in and they kind of look at you and they read your face a little bit. And it, for me, it's the look of, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask because I should know where this is at. Oh, yeah. So for me, recently, it was a uh, professional development form. Uh, and I want to go to a professional development. You fill it out. You send it off. It goes and gets approved by six different people. And then you get to go or you don't get to go. But I walk into the main office. The uh, secretary looks at me and she's like, guys, what do you need? And I'm like, I'm sorry to bother you. I need a field or a professional development form and she does this thing where she uh kind of looks at me and come on guys you know right. one of those and then she points over and you know i grab it and what would take me a long time to uh figure out takes a very short amount of time and you know i really appreciate the fact that the secretaries go out of the way but i make sure that i treat them well and you get them a gift on secretary day yes and christmas and at the end of the year maybe not go overkill and do all three of those but definitely gifts help yes they do so i mean like you said the secretary is really just i mean they know how the school runs more than anybody else here's another group of, of staff that's really important how about the custodians i know just 
this past year, I had a problem. I could not get my room. And I'm a, as a chemistry teacher, having paper towels around is like the most important thing for lab work. They're like sort of just the all-purpose cleanup. Could not get my room filled with paper towels. Who do you go talk to? The custodians. As long as you've got a good relationship, just like you said with their secretaries, uh, they can help you out. They can make sure you're stocked with what you need. There's nothing more annoying in the wintertime when everybody's got the sniffles and you can't find tissues. You didn't get a chance to run out and grab a box for yourself. Good relationships with the custodians. Custodians is extremely important as well, kind of similar to how the secretary's Just work. to feed off of that, Nick Johnson, when he does his labs, paper towels are used. Everything is spick and span. He cleans it to a T, it's shiny, it's glistening, and there's nothing on top, you know, of his counters. Everything's put away. So he goes through them all the time. Spotless. I need it spotless. I can't function unless it's perfect. I need my paper towels. And tissues, we're, we're, we get a certain number of boxes allotted per school. And when they're gone, they're gone. But there's always a stash of them somewhere. Yep. Or how about when you put that do not erase sign on your board? You actually want them to listen to you and not erase it. Good relationships with the custodians, super important. All right, let's go into the next uh, little thing. And that's as a first year teacher, you're going to get frustrated. In my opinion, it's your hardest year Definitely. of your career. Yep. You have all these preps to go through. It's first time you're going through the content, all that good stuff. But you just need to know who you should complain to and vent to and who you shouldn't. And for me, uh, if you have another colleague that you're super tight with, yeah, that's okay. But if you need to go above that, you need to make sure that you're complaining and venting to your mentor. All right. It's their job to hear you struggle and to help you work through those. I would stay away from doing the supervisor, and I'm not saying supervisors aren't uh, there to listen, but just note that most supervisors have a lot on their plate. They're supervising multiple departments. There are linkage between teachers and the upper administration, and that's not where you want to go for those channels. Right, well, plus they're kind of like your boss, so you want to always put the best foot forward there and maybe complaining to them, especially if you really just need to blow off some steam, is probably not the best idea, but it depends on your relationship with that person. Um, mostly you just want to, you know, the people you are talking to, make sure they're the right person to speak to for the right thing and develop those habits early on. Um, and kind of in that same line, I, this is one thing that was really super critical for me. And I think um, I did do this right from the bat, probably not in all the areas I would have chosen to now looking back. But what I'm talking about is getting involved outside the classroom. It's, it's so important. I know for us at the high school level, when the students see you doing things for and in the school that aren't specifically within your four walls of chemistry or social studies or whatever, it goes a long way. It gives them a, a way to connect with you. It gives them something to just kind of chit-chat about as they walk in the room or as they leave the room. I know we used to do, remember we used to work uh, the football games, kind of doing like security patrol to football games. I still, I still do, do it. Yeah, I still do it. And it's just a way to show uh, students that, you know, you're not just there to teach them. You're, you also care about them and you want to see them succeed in other, you know, avenues news other than just straight up academic and right. I think that's very important as much of that as you can do we, I used to do um, uh, track officiating too which was crazy I just showed I've never done it before I just showed up and they handed me a stopwatch and said here you go this race is starting in 30 seconds and I, I was doing the stopwatch like the timing for the race and it was I was you know I was nervous I was uncomfortable I was afraid I was gonna mess up but if, I can't tell you how much it helped the next day uh, when all the kids saw me there doing it they were like oh Mr. Johnson I didn't even know you did blah 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 that's so cool just 
opens up this whole other line of communication. So, and it doesn't have to all be sports, obviously, but as many of those things as you can do, it all really helps. And probably the number one thing that new teachers, the piece of advice that we could give you is to make sure that you're taking time for yourself to do things that are not school related. Because our profession is challenging in multiple ways. You're not just a teacher, you're a counselor sometimes. Sometimes you're just a friend helping to give advice. We see our students through the hard, through the easy, through the successes, through the failures. And sometimes that could be taxing. So make sure that you're taking some time to go for that hike, read that book, or put your feet up on the couch and watch football. Just do anything that takes you away from the classroom. A big push right now for us is all the mindfulness stuff. Just take a minute to yourself to don't think about anything except being there and and enjoying life for what it is separate from education. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. So, Nick, I was talking to one of my neighbors, and this uh, neighbor of mine is one of the neighbors that I consider a super fun neighbor. He's always doing stuff with his kids outside. He's originally from uh, Brooklyn, like a Brooklyn for 35 years. Like a heavy New Yorker accent, kind of. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my impression and then I'll move on. But he's like, uh, and his name's Tony. Oh, and he goes, perfect. he goes, yo, Geisy. What do you think of the homework? And I'm like, Tony, what do you mean? What do you think of the homework? And he's like, this is where I go into regular voice. I'm not going into Brooklyn the whole time because I don't think it's doing uh, the Brooklyn accent the correct way. We all we all appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're having a conversation. Apparently his school district, and I don't teach in his children's school district. I live in a different school district in which I teach. And uh, he was just wondering my thoughts on homework. And I thought it was actually a very cool piece. And I told I was going to use it for the podcast and he was like he felt like he was a very contributing member to the podcast and he's super excited and he wants me to drop him the link afterwards and I'm super excited and and then after that we kind of went away from it but I'm bringing this in for Tony so Tony if you're listening this segment is for you and I just really want to go over the pros and cons and try to think out loud a little bit about homework are we doing ourselves is homework providing a benefit for students or are we taking away from a student's life outside of school Right. So should we maybe sort of do a pros cons and just start going through? I mean, I know one thing that teachers always argue, and I'm not even sure how I feel about this myself currently, but uh, I've heard a lot of teachers say that homework helps teach students responsibility just as a potential pro because they're responsible for going home, finishing what you assign, bringing it back by a certain due date. So that's thrown out there a lot. So let me just play devil's advocate here. Like how much homework are you talking about for responsibility? Could it just be like something very quick? Right. Or does it have to be 45 minutes to an hour long? Is there a set piece of or a set time of homework that makes it worth that? Right. Or is it the due date itself? And even that is questioned. Like, is it worth, you know, is it so important to have the homework done on a certain day? Or does it matter if it's done correctly three days later? Maybe, maybe not. All right. So the pro is it teaches responsibility. The con is there's not enough clarity there. Right. To see how much is too much or too little. All right. So let's go another another pro. How about uh, homework giving students a chance to practice? I know this is one that I still, when I put on my traditional teacher hat and I 
show the students something while they're in class and then they go home, what do I expect them to do? Practice it. I, I still believe in that model for some things sometimes. So for me, that's a definite pro, just to give them a chance to try what they worked on in class that day, refine those skills, ideally come back with questions the next day. So they go home, you give them a set of 20 questions. I'm just throwing a number out there. I'm not saying that that's the right amount of questions. And they go home and they can't figure out the first one. Right. They're lost on the first one so therefore they're going to be lost on the remaining 19 perhaps maybe they get a couple yep all right so sally goes home she's lost on the first one she has all these questions are you gonna like what is the proper etiquette here i mean you maybe her parents are very knowledgeable in a subject and can teach her and she gets through the 20 questions but then on the other side you have a set of parents that maybe hasn't taken chemistry since the 10th grade oh for sure so are we un like is the playing field not equal for all students then is that causing you know an imbalance between students is it fair it's uh it's definitely worth considering i mean uh, like you said if, if the student is home and doing the homework at home to practice or refine those skills i mean yeah especially at the high school level even a lot of times these days i know math is taught very differently than it was 20 30, even 10 15 20 years ago parents can't always help with what their kids are doing so if they take that worksheet home and they can't do number one then you know the next 19 problems not super helpful so there is a place there for homework really not achieving that so definitely a potential pro but there's a con side to that one as well and a lot of people throw the counter argument that you know there's youtube out there that will teach you how to do it and everything but once again there are families that have the internet and families that have computers at home yep and then there's families that don't have that privilege absolutely you know? and so i kind of see where this could be problematic, the homework. Yeah, I mean, it definitely creates some issues. Um, here's another one that kind of comes up in certain communities more than others. Uh, what about parents demanding homework or equating the amount of homework their students get with the rigor of that school or the quality of that education? I know just as much as some parents think there's way too much, we're starting to see other parents feel like there's maybe not enough. And that, that implies somehow that the teacher is not doing enough to teach those students. It's, that's super interesting. I mean, I feel like no matter how you look at it, you're going to, you can see positive. I mean, I've, we've been doing it this whole time time we've seen positives from points of view and negatives from points of view but really i mean what i would like to do is i would like to really take a look at how homework was given you know 40 50 years ago right you take a look at that when especially a lot of land around here is more farmland right students didn't have time to go home get homework done and then go out and perform chores on the farm if you go back far enough some students never went to school they just stayed on the farm and they worked right. so i think our priorities are shifting the way that we live is shifting and not for nothing technology allows students to get information three times faster so really are we teaching more content now that we can get it done quicker with technology i'm going to throw this out at you just as you were talking it kind of made me think of something is it possible to go zero homework get rid of all the homework they learn when they're in school students go home and they're free to go to practice go to art class do whatever kind of music lessons they have to and enjoy themselves play outside mess around on the computer play a little controlled video game time zero school homework is it possible for me i would say that you could do it you could give less homework than what you used to give right. but what i would try to do is try to get students to have outside of school experiences that they 
they could use in the classroom. So it's not quantified by what you know. It's kind of quantified and valuable through your experiences. For example, as a science teacher, you you have a lesson coming up on plants. You know, just have them go out and go for a walk and, you know, pick the leaves of three different trees out there, three different ones, and bring them in. For the most part, everyone acts, has access to trees. Sure. Or some type of vegetation, some type of plant. So I feel like that's something that they could do. We'll get them outside. It will have them doing something. It's not super stressful, but it's something valuable to the classroom. Right. And, and that's a very, like, you know, simplified example. Well, I think probably, at least for me, what I would advocate for, if we're really getting into it and talking about pros and cons and do we need homework at all, I think we do. But sort of like you said, I think sort of just maybe change it, modify it so it's not 40 math problems in a row, super repetitive, doing the same thing over and over again, where if they are confused on one, they can't do any of the others. And then all the stress and anxiety that comes with that, shorten it, make it valuable. Maybe, and we've talked about the flipped classroom. That's exactly what I was going to say. Flip Classroom allows you to give them content just to be exposed to it. You'll probably go over and highlight some key points, but if you just give them the content to be exposed to it and not make it do overnight, make make it do like three days later, like assign it three days before you're going to do it. That way students have time to go and watch videos or get these resources at a public library if they don't have the internet or computer at home. Or they could do it during their free time, maybe a study hall or as they're waiting for the bus something like that to get these kids on an equal playing field. Right. So what, what was your neighbor's name? Tony? Tony. Getting, yeah, Tony. I think what we're saying here, at least at Got Tech, is to all the teachers out there also, maybe just rethink what your homework is and ask yourself, is it valuable and does it have to be done at home? And is there maybe a way to flip that around and, and change it uh, so that the student isn't super stressed or is gaining new experiences outside of school that they can then bring to the classroom? Yeah, and I I think equality and fairness is also something that we need to throw in there. Uh, If your homework is unevening the playing field, you might want to rethink if that's what we really want. Because if some students are getting it very easy and other students are struggling, and because Johnny says that his parents helped him, Kathy's parents couldn't provide that help that could be demotivating in the whole grand scheme of learning so it's just a topic to kind of weigh the pros and cons and it's a discussion that you might want to have with some of your colleagues Back in the third grade, I remember that my teacher signed the whole class up to have a pen pal. Do you remember back in those days? Yes, it was awesome. I loved, I had a pen pal in Hawaii, which I thought was the craziest thing ever. Mine was in Japan and involved a translator, so I would get the original note that wow. was in Japanese, and then I would also get the translated note, which was super cool. That is cool. And uh, I just remember being so excited when we got letters, and they would send them to the school, so there's no home addresses here. They would send them to the school, and every Friday, the teacher would be like, oh, and I got these uh, pen pal letters, and everyone would sit up in their chairs and be super excited. And for me, I, I just remember one letter in particular where we kind of took turns exchanging currency. Like I put a $1 bill, a quarter, a nickel, a dime, and a penny, and I sent it to Japan. And, you know, he sent me his currency back, and I thought that was super cool. I still have the currency to this day. I mean, I have not been to Japan, and even if I would go to Japan, I don't know if I would take that with me because it's kind of sentimental. 
Yeah, it might be out of date at this point too. I mean, we're talking. This is a while back. I'm assuming. I mean, when I was when I had mine, I was in elementary school. So you know, not to date us, but we're going back 25, maybe almost 30 years here. These are the. This is pre-internet days. There were. I mean, at least for me, our classrooms didn't have computers till I was in about fifth or sixth grade. We had the Apple computers that yeah. were shaped like an apple. Yeah, but that was later, right? We might have had some With of those. With DOS, yeah. I think, programming <laughs> right. on it. MS-DOS. MS-DOS. But to get that letter from so far away, I mean, obviously you could call on the phone, but that's a little more of a high-stress scenario. And you're little kids, what are you going to say? But it was the coolest thing ever. And now, obviously, with our, you know all the you know increased communication online and, and you know texting, you can do this type of thing in, in a much easier and potentially much more valuable and, and elaborate way. The, the possibilities are endless. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about what we are calling 21st century pen pals. That's Geis's official term, which I thought was a real term for a real thing, but I guess uh, we just made it up here on the spot, which is surprisingly fitting. And uh, maybe just discuss some ways that a teacher could arrange a 21st century pen pal for their classes. Well, there are several different ways, and we can talk about Skype and just having a phone call back and forth, but I was thinking more or less you send a video, it's not a live interaction. And uh, one of the ways I thought about integrating it was maybe with Flipgrid. So maybe you have it set up through Flipgrid where the students record a message for their student, and then it is a part of a shared classroom grid, and the teachers can release it to their students. Yeah, the vi- the video aspect is is really cool. It's sort of like getting that letter, but instead of just reading what that person wrote to you, you know, a week later after it's gone through the mail uh, with Flipgrid, then you can actually look at you know the video of them talking, and it's there's no pressure or stress to respond right away in a certain way because you know it's not a real-time conversation although you could do that you mentioned Skype where you could actually set up like a Skype meeting and actually have the direct interaction but that would have to be a little more controlled and I guess if it's little kids you might want to give them some things to talk about I would yeah, imagine. some prompts you know how old you are what's your favorite right. color that type of thing and as you get older maybe it can turn more into a uh, you know conversational piece where you're debating something with another class it doesn't need to be a super long distance away either you could take a neighboring school district maybe one of your friends teach there link up with them and you know just have it between two classrooms you can make it a one-on-one thing you could do a whole class like kind of a bigger group connection yeah i know in a lot of schools i think we have our school has one. Uh, they call them sister schools, which really just means, I guess, a school somewhere super far away that you have a connection to and you, you help each other out uh, when one of the schools might be in need or just communicate back and forth, collaborate. So if you have something like that, you could very easily set up some sort of a, it'd be really great if it was part of a class project. Maybe two math classes talk to each other to work and the student groups are comprised, you know, a couple students from this school, a couple students from the sister school, and they have to talk to each other about something to solve a problem. It would it would have to be a larger project too, where, you know, they communicate maybe through a video or something like that. And then uh, they collaborate through G Suite, doc slides, whatever, and they have to set up a bigger project. I think it would be kind of neat to try. I mean, it would be difficult with, uh, you know, the whole grading aspect of it and who's accountable for what, but I think that kids, students would appreciate that type of creativity. I I know that we use Skype in Hangouts when uh, teachers are interested in getting an outside speaker, like an author or someone in the military, to talk to their to their groups of uh, students. We do do that a lot. I mean, a lot. I mean, we 
we did it over a dozen times last year. Right. And usually that's done in the media center where I have, you know, a wide angle lens and I have a rotating camera and a fisheye camera lens and we have some speakers and we set up like a little conference room in one of the side rooms. So I know that's doable, but I think what we're talking here is more personalized, more, uh, you know, smaller group things. Right. I think um, something that deserves to be mentioned, and I don't know a whole lot about this, so maybe you can jump in a little bit, but if you're trying to incorporate some kind of communication between schools like your like your story with the your pen pal from Japan. There's a language barrier. I know you got the translated letter. Technology makes the translating uh, super easy and you can do it at the drop of a hat these days. I know, isn't it called Google Translate that will do something like that? Yeah, there's several. There's yeah. several translation uh, extensions and sure. add-ons and things that you can add to uh, on the Google platform at right. least. Yeah. yeah, it just makes, you know, so you don't even have to necessarily speak the same language because the computer kind of supports you. You also mentioned interacting with a, like a professional. I know we were listening to somebody recently talk about how they were Skype chatting or doing a Google Hangout with an astronaut up in the International Space Station. And as a classroom, you might actually be able to arrange where, you know, a spin of the pen pal is talking to that person. Maybe the students could suggest experiments for the astronaut to do in the zero gravity environment, see what happens. I mean, within reason, of course, but that's, that's another the way that maybe you could arrange a cool 21st century. I, I definitely think that this is something that's going to be in the near future. And if there's program developer out there to make this an easier platform to bring it, and I'm not saying that Skype Hangouts and Flipgrid and really just recording a video on your phone can do the trick. I'm not saying that's not the way to go. I'm just saying that this could be done more easily if there's a program out there where someone sets up a meeting, you, you toss a link there and there's like teacher tools next to it. I think we just made made something. It could be out there. And you know what? If you guys know of something similar to this that makes it more educational than a regular Skype conference or just a hangout, uh, I'd, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to experiment with it. Yeah, share the idea. That'd be pretty cool. It's time for the Tick Battle Royale! <laughs> That's right, it's time for the Tech Battle Royale. This is where Nick and I go mano a mano, fisticuffs to fisticuffs. I think that's the right term. That's a good one. But we're going at it. Noggin to noggin, beard to beard. You have a nice beard this week. It's not coming in patchy. I think you're maturing. Well, it's freshly trimmed, so I appreciate the compliment. Some of the categories we'll get into are productivity, video screencasting, Google add-ons, extensions, fun and games, and so many more. Guys, do you want to spin the wheel and get it started? All right, let's do it. So this is always a dangerous one because this is my partner's specialty here. What we have landed on today is Chrome extensions. I don't even know if that's, is it Chrome or is it Google extensions? What's the proper term? I guess they're both kind of the same Well, thing. Chrome is the, the search engine. Yeah, Google is right. kind of like the little brother of the search engine. Sure. Either way, we're talking extensions and I know, I mean, there's tons of stuff out there to choose from. I've got an interesting one. Not sure how it's going to play out. I don't know what Geis has lined up for this necessarily. Do you want to kick it off? I, 
I know it's the beginning of the school year, and I know that as the school year gets uh, crazy, mine is going to help that teacher get a little less crazy, more organized. All right, what do you got? Do you want? I guess I'm going first. Then. You might as well. All right, my extension is called Extensity. If you can't tell by the name, it relates to extensions. And uh, me, every time I hear of a new extension, I want to try it out, and I want to pass it on to the right people, like yourselves listening, or to my teachers and my colleagues. All right, so yes, yeah, so it is called Extensity. And basically the gist behind Extensity is you download this extension to manage your extensions. Now, I know this sounds ridiculous, but me, I could tell you I have 144, well, 145 now, extensions downloaded, and they do take up a a little bit of space and they will slow down your computer a little bit if they're all up and running. And I have some uh, extensions that I really like, but I don't want to have them on all the time. For example, I, I use this one extension that allows you to hover over a image and it slipped in my mind. I can't remember the name of it. Okay. Uh, at the time, it'll probably come to me, but if you hover over an image on a Google image search, it pops out that image. So you could see it a little bit bigger than what it is. That way you don't need to click on it and then go backwards and stuff. Oh, cool. But that image uh, tool or extension, I don't want to have that up there the whole time because personally, I find that pop out feature annoying unless I'm working on that type of a project, if that makes it any sense whatsoever. So Extensity allows you to turn on and off your extensions. So that is mine. Okay. Uh, like I said, it is called Extensity. You need to go check that out. And uh, Nick, what do you got? Well, I just want to first point out that you're suggesting I get another extension to manage all my other extensions. I would just go in and look at all my extensions and delete all the stupid ones that I don't use all the time anyways. Sounds like you're just adding to the pile. Yeah, but if this way, for example, and I just remembered the extension Images, I-M-A-G-U-S. Okay. I don't want to have that on at all times. But if I delete it and I need it later on when I'm working with a project where I want to bring in pictures from the Google world into my project, I won't, I don't want to have to go to the Chrome store every time and go do it. I just click on the extensity icon. I go down to images and I uh, turn it back on. So I, I guess as long as it's easy to turn them, what you just get like a list when you click the little icon of what yeah. you have and you can turn them off and off. Yeah, and you can see all of your extensions there, whether they're on or off, because the ones that are off are grayed out and the ones that are active are bold. So if you want to turn it on, you just click on it and hit re-enable and you're good to go. All right, well, uh, hold on to your socks for this one because it might knock them off. Okay, I'm ready. You holding them? I'm holding them. Sound Gecko. It's, uh. called, it's called Sound Gecko. It's a pretty cool Chrome extension. Um, it's. I think the beauty of this is in its simplicity. I know what it is. <laughs> you always... This is this is where you hit the little gecko symbol up in the top and you can save on car insurance. Yeah, that yeah, that's one Or is this the one where you click on the gecko and you could hear like geckos in nature? Well actually if I just found this out a little bit ago, when you just Google, like without any other clarifiers, if you just Google sound gecko, it just takes you to a bunch of YouTube videos that show you the actual sound that real geckos make. I don't even know they made a sound, but I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so I'm guessing it's not it has nothing to do with the sound has, of the gecko. It has nothing to do with that. I actually don't know the origin origin of the name, but Sound Gecko is obviously another Chrome extension. So when you add it to your Chrome browser and you click the little button, it allows you to, if you highlight text, 
So this can be just a little snippet of text, or I think for me, the application would be larger chunks of text. If I'm really busy doing something else, you highlight it and SoundGecko will read that text back to you without you actually having to read it yourself. So it, it just vocalizes everything you've highlighted. Um, I know for me, it, being involved with multiple projects at one time, especially if I'm doing something for my own school, the class that I'm in and also working on something at home, maybe while I'm making dinner or cleaning up, the ability to highlight something and have it read to me so I don't actually have to sit there and only do that one thing. It's a great way to multitask. It's just super valuable. So it's it's simple, but it's extremely effective and I would recommend SoundGecko to anybody. So does it work on your emails? Sure does. And so any article that you want. So basically anything on your Chrome platform that's up, you can highlight it and it reads to you. As long as it's in the Chrome browser. So yeah, emails would count for that. Social media, any, like I said, any kind of article, as long as you can highlight the text. So certain like PDFs where you won't, can't actually highlight anything. It depends on the type of PDF. Those won't work. But but yeah, it'll read that back to you. I wonder if it like does different accents because uh, because if so. they if they need a Brooklyn uh, accent, I know a guy. We'll just yeah, we just get Tony down here and we'll set up the uh, the Tony accent for Sound Gecko. I don't think that's a feature yet, although that would make it a stronger contender here. I don't know. Our extensions are pretty different. They are pretty different, and it's hard to pick a winner here. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go with mine, but I I'm open for debate on this one. You got Sound Gecko. Awesome tool. This would be great for uh, kids with IEPs for reading uh, comprehension. Maybe this would help them out. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways you could use it, not only for yourself, but in your class. I'm going to, again, argue the simplicity angle. I like when something only does one thing, one simple thing, but it does it really good. And yeah, I think, I think I just made your case again by saying it's also beneficial for students. I guess I can make an argument that students could use extensity as well, but I think that whole uh, you know IEP for that type of uh, student, maybe in special ed, that that might give you the advantage, and I dislike myself for this but i'm going to declare another loss i can't believe you're 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 saying it but i really think uh like i said the simplicity of sound gecko does it although i'll say if you're interested in productivity and kind of if you're a person and i'm not which is why i wouldn't have chosen what you chose but if you are a person who has a ton of extensions i guess you might want a new one yeah i think i just used this this one for the wrong category i should have waited for teacher productivity and i think i would have had the upper hand but nick we'll let you go with the uh victory speech for the week go out check out sound gecko and extensity and make sure you stay organized for the new school year and here comes my victory speech Aaron Lauritsen, author and road trip connoisseur, writes, There is a strange comfort in knowing that no matter what happens today, the sun will rise again tomorrow. I think this sentiment is especially important for teachers to remember during these early weeks of the school year. So whether you're a new teacher trying to keep your head above water or an experienced one wrestling with the newest changes, the sun will rise again tomorrow and you'll get a new chance to do your best. So with each rising sun, consider some of our tips from this episode. Buy coffee for your main office secretaries. Get a birthday gift for your classroom custodian. Revise your upcoming homework assignment, organize some 21st century pen pals for your class, and try Extensity or SoundGecko. Or don't, because tomorrow is another day. Thanks for listening to Got Tech the Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech or follow along on our website, gottech.com. Until next time.